Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Ever felt judged at the gym? You don't know how to use the leg curl machine? At Planet Fitness, get energy without the judgment. Join the judgment-free zone today during the Big Fitness Energy Sale for 24 cents down, $10 a month. Cancel any time. Deal ends Friday, January 12th. See Home Club for details. We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. everyone, welcome to another episode of Red and Buried Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Frankie. And today we have a fantastic duo, Lizzie Barber and Charlotte Duckworth with us. Hi. Hi. Two for the price Hi. of one? What? <laughs> Cheap date. Yeah, we get value for money on this, this episode. How are you both? We are good. I feel like Charlotte and I literally saw each other for lunch and then we had yeah. been WhatsApping post-lunch. <laughs> yeah. And I literally just been like, Charlotte, I'm getting podcast now <laughs> yeah and we walked all the way from Holborn to Waterloo together and talked Ooh. the whole way so so you're sick of each other at this point no. <laughs> never ah that's nice yeah good all right I haven't seen Sarah in ages and it's been delightful no I'm joking obviously. I saw you like two weeks ago that was enough wasn't it that was enough it was enough yeah, yeah. too much is you know too much of a thing that'll do until Christmas <laughs> We try to dip oh. in. We, we are joking. <laughs> we promise. Yeah, it's oh, I am, Sarah. <laughs> All right. Well, we always start our episodes with little bios that I'm going to say it before Sarah does. I've written them because Sarah's Sarah does Sarah's more of just a face of the podcast. She doesn't really do any of the work. So I'm I'm going to read out the. Uh, I've got Lizzie's, and then Sarah's going to do Charlotte's bios. And all of these were taken from the internet slash your website, so they're hopefully all correct. But let's see, shall we? Let's test it out. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Lizzie Barber studied English at Corpus Christ College, Cambridge University. After previous lives acting and working in film development, she has spent the last 10 years as the head of brand and marketing for The Hush Collection, a boutique group of restaurants founded by her brother, Jamie. Her debut novel, My Name is Anna, is the winner of the Daily Mail First Novel Competition and was published in 2019. Out of Her Depth was published in 2022. Why was that so hard to say? Jesus. Uh, And was a Richard and Judy book club pick. The TV rights have been optioned by Sony. Her latest book, Nanny Wanted, has been described as the perfect gothic suspense novel. When Lily finally leaves her toxic relationship, a job as a nanny at CUNY. Am I saying that correctly, by the way? CUNY. Excellent. CUNY Manor seems like the perfect solution. There, she can cut herself off from her old life and never have to see him again. The Rose seemed like a model family and Lily falls instantly in love with her new home. But she can't help feeling that something isn't quite right. Why will nobody tell her about the nanny who came before her? Where does Laurie go at night? And what does Charles really want? As Lily becomes increasingly entangled in the Rose lives, she realises that the perfect family may not be all that they seem. And as much as she fears the past she's running from, perhaps the present is where the real danger lies. Outside of writing, Lizzie lives in London with her husband George and their son Marlowe, 
She is also a ray of sunshine in human form and has the most incredibly long and luxurious hair you're ever likely to see. What a wonderful introduction. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <very> much. <laughs> I just took it from the internet. I didn't even write that. It's all on the internet. So, oh. And it's all true. Well, if you need to see a hair tutorial for how to curl your hair with straighteners, thanks to Harrogate. That is now on my Instagram page. There you go. Top tips. Sarah. Right. My turn. <laughs> As Frankie mentioned, she wrote this. So any problems... Direct them at her. (laughs) What a team. Yeah. Charlotte Duckworth is the USA Today bestselling author of The Rival, Unfollow Me, The Perfect Father and The Sanctuary. She started her career working as an interiors and lifestyle journalist, writing for a wide range of consumer magazines and websites. She also writes contemporary book club fiction under the pen name Charlotte Rickson. Her fifth psychological suspense novel, The Wrong Mother, was published by Quercus in early 2023. Faye is 39 and single. She's terrified that she may never have the one thing she always wanted, a child of her own. Then she hears about an online co-parenting app for men and women who want to have a baby, but don't want to do it alone. When the app matches her with smooth-talking, wealthy Louis, it feels as though the fates have aligned. But just one year later, Faye's dream has turned into a nightmare. She's on the run from Louis, with baby Jake in tow. In desperate need of a new place to live, she responds to an advert from an older lady, Rachel, who's renting out a room in her cottage in a remote Norfolk village. It's all Faye can afford, and surely she'll be safe from Louis there. But is Rachel the benevolent landlady she pretends to be, or does she have a secret of her own? (sighs) Outside of writing, Charlotte lives in Surrey with her partner and their daughter, as well as running a very interesting and helpful blog that offers tips to aspiring writers Charlotte is also an utter delight with equally gorgeous hair featuring a fringe ah! that always looks perfect. Aww. I'm loving the hair, love. <laughs> you guys have good it hair. You do have good hair. I'm very impressed yeah. by the fringe. It's always oh, perfect. No, well, that is the one thing I can do, my fringe. Everything else, no, but the fringe <laughs> I've nailed. <laughs> that is endlessly impressive to me because I, I tried a fringe and it was um, the bane of my existence for a while. So I'm yours is perfect and yeah. If I could rip it from your head and stick it on mine, I would. But that would be very aggressive. You made it weird. I always do. I always yeah. do. So, so lovely to have you both on. And as we were discussing before we started recording, our first with two different authors that aren't part of a team. So a little bit new and a bit different, this dynamic. Hopefully it's going to work. We're a friendship team. A friendship we team. We are a team. I was just thinking yeah. that. I was like, well, we are a team. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're a WhatsApp group. If you're a WhatsApp group, you're a team. Is it a rule. WhatsApp group for two people? No, no there's we forget about the us. okay so you're the you're the most important members of the team you're the team captains like jointly absolutely killer you're you're the team captain lizzie like you're super organized and like if you want something done ask lizzie yeah it's amazing (laughs) and a massive procrastinator more importantly like two sides of the same coin or i have adhd discuss well you know we're all making use of the skills that we have in different ways and that's a good way of using it so both very different career paths into writing obviously lizzie as we talked about in the bio that sarah um that i read even not sarah i'm my brain i did nothing we all know you did nothing sarah well done congratulations (laughs) but you came into writing via a writing competition yeah so i think that writing had always been something that I had done sort of in, not in my spare time necessarily, but kind of done on the side. But growing up, you know, as a young child, as a teenager, throughout university, my whole life has been acting. 
And so I kind of, I, although I wrote, and I used to dabble with kind of short stories, my whole life were kind of book ideas. It was always acting that I wanted to pursue. That didn't, what did I say? Well, it, it didn't work out. I actually um, went, <laughs> I recorded the Richard and Judy podcast and Richard asked me why I was an actress and then asked me, was it because I wasn't very good? Which, oh, yeah. he's he is famous for his his charm, isn't he, old oh, Richard? So. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it was a very good. I I think that I just reached an impasse with it, and I thought, like, again, Taipei. <laughs> I unless I was going to be Kira Knightley, I didn't really want to continue, and so I think that I. And then I got very busy working with my brother in the restaurant business, and I think that all of the kind of stuff I'd done on the side just kind of petered out. That became my focus, and then I had this very weird year where my now my husband but my partner at the time we've been together for a ridiculously long time because we were 19 and my best friend both moved to the states for kind of chunks my husband was there partner whatever he was at the time was there for six months and my friend kind of moved permanently and I was like oh like take a look at my life like, what am I doing um and so I started doing this writing course and was writing this more of a literary fiction book actually based on my grandma's life she had a very exotic not even upbringing, but kind of adult life where she, my family are all Israeli. Um, so she was born in, in Tel Aviv, married my grandpa, who uh, was in the British Army, was from Egypt. Very confusing. And then they went, they moved to Egypt after the war and they had this very glamorous life in the 1950s in Cairo. And then they came to England and she was basically in England for the rest of her life and was quite depressed about it. And so I, was, I started writing this book, basically exploring a character like that move through this kind of glamorous existence to a kind of cold reality of post-war England and basically got stuck with it and then the idea for my name is Anna came into my head and it wouldn't wouldn't leave me alone I don't know if you ever have that Charlotte with ideas that they're like terriers where they grab hold of you and you <laughs> can't stop thinking about them and I basically wrote it as a diversion because I've been stuck with this first book and then was probably three chapters four chapters in and my mum called me saying I told her about it so I tell her everything and called me saying there was a competition in the Daily Mail, a first novel competition, and I kind of entered it and completely forgot about it. And then got a call a few months later saying that I'd won this competition. It was all kind of wrapped up into this incredible prize, which was representation from my agent and the book deal with Penguin Random House and in advance. So that kind of propelled me. And I feel very, you know, almost kind of awkward and incredibly lucky that I didn't go through that whole submission process or kind of that step-by-step process of finding an agent and finding a, a you know, finding, finding, finding an agent and then having a book deal or not having books rejected and looking for a publisher. So it all kind of busted together. Um, and then I've been very lucky that I've been able to pursue it. Well, you technically did go through the submission process just in a slightly unorthodox way because you still yeah. beat out loads of competition to get noticed by an mm-hmm. agent, which is the same thing, right? And I, you know, I, I entered competitions before and hadn't even come close to, to placing or, you know, having Did they tell you that as a feedback? You didn't even come close to placing. I think at the same time, I had entered like a stylist competition on of a similar prize and had never, and, and didn't even hear back from them ever again. And those kind of short story mm. competitions that you read about in dyslexia, I entered a few of those and I just hadn't even, you know, hadn't even made a shortlist or anything. So this came completely out of nowhere. And I think it's wow. very much about being in the right place at the right time, the right idea at the right time, um, and all the kind of stars aligning. But I know it's a quite unusual path to getting there. I don't think it was all luck. No. I think you've got to give yourself no. a little bit of credit. Yeah. You wrote the best book, basically, Lizzie. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> wonderful. End of podcast. Yeah, okay, yeah. the end. <laughs> what did you say that, 
you know, part of the part of the success of being an author is finishing the book. And it's, you know, finish the damn thing is quite a common refrain. And I do think that, you know, that it is quite, and I don't know if you probably agree, Charlotte, that finishing a damn book is a massive undertaking. And it doesn't matter how mm-hmm. many times you do it, as Charlotte's heard me moan um, <laughs> on and on. You know, it doesn't get easier. Yeah. And, and, you it does know, not get easier. completing it is 90, not 90% of the task, but it's certainly a huge undertaking and part of the task before you even get to the next day. Mm. Definitely. And Charlotte, you came in via a slightly more traditional method, I think. You were in journalism to begin with. And then what made you pivot towards writing novels? I didn't really pivot. I wanted to be a novelist, like since I was, you know, two or whatever. And I went to university and I did classics, which is completely useless unless you want to be an (laughs) academic. And I remember it was like my last term and my dad was like, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, "Uh, I really want to write novels. And he was like, don't be ridiculous. And I went to see the careers advisor and I said, I want to write novels. And they're like, well, that's not a job. So you should be (laughs) Yeah, literally, they're just like, that's not a real job. Okay. Yeah. Great. (laughs) So go and do a postgrad in journalism. So I did. And to be fair, like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I really don't want to be a journalist because I thought, okay, that sounds all right. That sounds like a reliable way of making money from writing. And I did have an amazing time. I loved being a journalist. I was very lucky that when I graduated, it was like the heyday of magazines. So there were loads. Mm. This is before they all closed (laughs) because of the internet. I'm that old that basically when I graduated, it was still a lot, you know, there was a huge market for print magazines. And I had like 10 years of like just the best time and the funniest thing is everybody I met in magazines wanted to write novels and since I left journalism pretty much all of them have had publishing deals so I think there's a lot of crossover you need to write some (laughs) letters to your careers advisor and be like hey fucker (laughs) check this out this yeah I I still get the alumni emails and they've never they've never mentioned me or been like come and talk to the students about your inspirational journey because they're embarrassed that they nearly ruined it for you maybe (laughs) as they should be it was just so matter of fact he's just like well that no that's not a job maybe you wanted to be a novelist and he was just probably jealous or something i yeah, don't know <laughs> anyway but yeah it was it was lovely working in journalism until everybody like all the money went and then everybody got made redundant and then, <laughs> then it wasn't so lovely but then i did a lot of pr and marketing and you know sort of journalism adjacent jobs for a long time but yeah i have always done writing stuff i've definitely never been an actress <laughs> <laughs> this is why yeah, libby is so good at tiktok Oh, Daphne. Oh, well, that's, she yeah, takes after her dad. She, yeah, she yeah. loves performing. Like, bless her. I'm just, oh. But yeah, no, I, I just want to plug Lizzie's TikTok here because I was actually watching it. It's and great. Daphne came over and was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, this is my friend's TikTok. And she was like, she's really good. And I was like, oh, she is very good. I Daphne a kindred spirit. That kindred spirit. I think you would get on, definitely, yeah. 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 I, I think everyone needs to go follow uh, Lizzie's TikTok because it is very good. I can, it's I, amazing. I can, uh, I can confer. I can um, confirm. Yeah. Why can't I speak to it? Wow. Amazing. So what? So then, was it during that period when you were moving out of traditional journalism that you're like, I'm going to write a book now? Oh no, I was writing the whole time. So I was very lucky. I got a, well, I don't know if you'd call it lucky actually, but I got an agent very early on. I was like 23. Wow. Because I was writing and I was working. I basically just wrote my holidays and evenings and stuff. And I did get an agent, but I was lucky in that sense. But then my book didn't sell, and then I wrote another book, and that didn't sell, and then I wrote a third book. And my agent was like, this is not good enough. So then I was like, oh my God, this has been like six years of work. I'm over it. And so I had a break and I set up a business, actually. I set up a PR business, which was very all-consuming. It did really well. It was fun as well for a time. 
um, but it just meant I had no headspace for writing. So I didn't write at all for like, I don't know, maybe four years. Then I got pregnant. And then when I was on maternity leave, I actually sold my business. So I had no job. So it's like, great, I've got a baby, no job. Maybe I'll just try the writing thing again. So I wrote a book while I was on maternity leave. And that was the one that finally sold. (laughs) Got there in the end. I think it took me 10 years. I, I think that's amazing, though, that for a start that you kept going when so many people would think, you know, take the knocks like you learned from it as you were going clearly and got better and better and, and it worked. And timing is so much of a factor in that likely too. Yeah. But not only that, that you guys are both such incredible type A personalities that you work so hard and <laughs> achieve so much. Like that's incredibly impressive to me and Sarah who are like, mm hmm. Yes, that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Selling a business while I'm pregnant, you know, no biggie. That's fine. Oh, like, well, yeah, that, that was a whole, I mean, to be fair, a lot of that experience kind of went into my debut. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all interesting at the time. I wasn't very happy about selling it, but it all worked out for the best. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But our, our books came out the same year, didn't they? Yeah. Because yeah. we were on a panel. Yeah, we were debuts on the Capital crime. It was the first capital crime. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Is that how you met then? Yeah. yeah. But then we found out that Ollie, yeah. my partner, knows Lizzie's brother really well. So that was really spooky. Anyway, oh, so yeah. fate meant to be <laughs> really? together. And then Charlotte did my website because she is oh, an yeah. absolute pro website designer. And that's when we really started kind of chatting, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and then good old Harrogate, obviously. Yeah, the ultimate bonding experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was lucky enough, Sarah, to hang out with Lizzie and Charlotte a bit at Harrogate this year. It was delightful, of course. So we met in person as well, Frankie. Yes, I think so. I think we've followed each other online for a little bit. Yeah, we've waved virtually. Yes, light stalking on my part, and then we met, and it was lovely. (laughs) And it was it wasn't as weird as it made it sound with that at all. It was very pleasant. So uh, yeah, and then we hung out at Capital Crime as well this year, which was nice. That oh, was really God. nice. I was pleased to see you guys, you and Izzy. Yeah. Like, I don't know anybody here. And so yeah. I basically left to see you in the loose. Perfect. <laughs> Whatever works. Yes. What a journey <laughs> we've all been on to get here. <laughs> so let's talk about writing, shall we? You've both obviously written a few books between you now. Incredibly impressive. But a question we always like to ask the guests we have on is what do you like most and least about the writing process? You go first, Lizzie. the same. It's <laughs> just the writing. All of it. All of it. That's most and least? The whole thing. No, because the thing is that, so when it flows, I don't know if you agree with this, Charlotte, but when it flows and you feel the magic, it's the best thing. And actually... I, I the, the book I'm writing at the moment has just been an absolute torment. And when it doesn't flow, it's the worst thing. And I have been struggling to get to a certain part of this book for a really long time. And I've absolutely hated it. And I only write two days a week because I still work with my brother in the restaurant. And it's, you know, I get to Thursdays, Thursdays and Fridays, my writing day, and I absolutely do not look forward to them. I dread them. And then I procrastinate. And then I chuck out a few hundred words. And I just think, what a waste of bloody time. But then today I got to the new part of the book that I've been waiting to get to. And I wrote a scene and was like, oh, yeah, that's why I do this. Because I've fallen into a world and it's really lovely and there's flow and I didn't notice the time going. So, yes, both the best and worst thing is the writing (laughs) for me. And Charlotte? Well, I am tempted to say the same thing, but I actually think mine's a bit more specific. So I absolutely hate writing first drafts. Like... I hate everything about it, but I do really, really enjoy 
now the like line editing process, which is kind of like the last thing. I hate proofreading, but the last stage before um, it's kind of signed off to go for a proofreader where you're just like tinkering and like there's no structural work. So it's not like it's not tiring mentally. It's just fun because you can just like add in a few clever metaphors or whatever and just like tidy things up. And it just starts to feel like it's actually half decent. Although sometimes actually by that point, you hate it so much that you think it's terrible. So, you know, you never quite know. It depends on your mood on the day, I think. But yeah, those are my, I mean, first drafts. I used to like writing first drafts and now I would rather do anything. They're just the worst because <laughs> you just know they're terrible. And it's like everything I'm writing today, I'm going to have to rewrite. But I think me and Lizzie are different because Lizzie writes good I was first say drafts. That. And I write shitty first drafts. <laughs> you write, but you write deliberately shitty first drafts. Yeah, well. I write like quick, you, really yeah. shit first drafts. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Lizzie will take her time over it. I'm more like, need to do 2,000 words. Doesn't matter how awful they are. Just get them done and then I can move on. But um, I, I wish I could be efficient. I think Lizzie's method is probably better, really. I don't, I, I mean, I think that the thing is that you, I mean, so many different authors have so many different methods. And I think that there's just this weird alchemy that you have to do what's right for you. And I try, yeah. I think the reason, part of the reason that this book has been such a torment is because for some reason I tried to fuck with my methods and I was like, oh God, everybody, everybody's a planner. I've got to be a planner. And then I know that Charlotte and our friend Emily write these messy first drafts. So I was like, I must do a messy first draft too. And then it's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I have this thing, I put the loop-to-loop -loop method where I have to write until I get stuck and then I go back to the beginning and then I edit my way to where I got stuck and it helps me unblock stuff and it does mean that the beginning parts of my book are much more polished than the end of my book before I get to the end of a draft but I think that I don't I don't track things down and then forget about them because I need to go back and like tamp it all down and make sure that it's all working and so it does mean like when I when I get to the end of a draft it is much longer than say Charlotte writing a messy first draft but actually, it's probably, I mean, this book has been horrendously slow, but actually to get to the same like proficiency of draft as Charlotte going through different drafts probably actually takes the same amount of time. I just like to move at snail's pace to all of it. It's so interesting how people are different. Mm. Yeah, I'm always fascinated to know if authors are planners or pantsers. And it sounds like you guys are both quite different in that regard then. So Charlotte, do you, yeah. do you pants your shitty first well, you plan it as well. I'm more of, I'm a bit of a hybrid. Like I, what I tend to do is I'll write the first, maybe third, and then I'll start planning. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like a warm up, and then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost like I just see where this goes. And then I think, okay, if I'm going to sustain this over a whole, whole novel, I need to figure <laughs> out what the F is going on. So I do tend to then sit down and have like a couple of days of brainstorming. And I'll, I'll roughly know the ending. And I mean, because we like write thrillers, there's always got to be twists so I do have to think about them but but it's not it's like a proper rough it's not really a plan it's just like a page of notes on my phone or you know on a piece of paper whereas I'm quite envious of the people who have spreadsheets and know exactly like how many words are in each chapter mm. and like w which characters are doing what. I mean honestly I've seen friends that have got like these like completely detailed yeah. like, like an architecture thing yeah. on their book and I'm just like how do you do I mean actually it would take me so long to do that that I could write a book and I'm not good with Excel <laughs> But yeah. So we had Helene Kissed on recently and she was saying that she yeah. even forensically gets to the point where she wants this many colours, this many mm. smells, this many metaphors, this many similes in every wow. chapter. 
which is I've never heard oh of anything that forensic before. I did know that's what Helene did, but I can so see that knowing her. She is yeah. very methodical. She's very, yeah, she's incredible. Oh, I, I just, it's too much intuition for me. I just can't sort of force it. And I do tend to write a lot of notes on my phone late at night. It seems that I, I'll be lying in bed and not be thinking about it. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's a good idea. So yeah, it, there's no real logic, sadly. <laughs> How about you, Lizzie? Ugh. I, I, it's not so I am a pantser but I think the thing is because I only write two days a week I basically spend all of the week as Charlotte was saying kind of late at night mulling over it mm. when I get to Thursday I have been thinking about it all week but I I get really strong like it's like being possessed I get a really like an idea takes hold of me and I live in that world a lot and it normally comes to me I know you know I know a couple of authors who finish a book and then they're like oh god now I need to start thinking about something new whereas I'm I've already got like I basically am writing down like Charlotte on my phone like I have a book ideas list on my phone and a couple of them really take hold of me so I'm already halfway in that world as I start to finish the the previous one and I tend to I get a really strong like sense impression of the opening and I always know what the kind of the atmosphere in the world is and how it's going to end and then my agent likes me to write a really long, not he didn't say it's really long, I just write really long synopses that I send to him with kind of, that, that is, I suppose, in a plan in a way, in that it does detail exactly what happens, but it, it usually completely veers off course. And like I said, with this one, again, I was like, oh, I've got to try and save the cat because everybody writes save the mm. cat. And then I tried, like you said, to write like a grid with all of these beats about what happens. And, and I can't, I don't know what's wrong with my brain, but I just can't. <laughs> do it like that I just can't nothing wrong with your brain it's just different I I, I don't know if it's because I'm very unscientific and unmathematical but my brain is like oh planning (laughs) structure and and I can't do it like that so I will you know I will sometimes get to chapters and like oh what's gonna happen now and like with this book I'm writing at the moment I have this character that's been in it for 70,000 words and it takes taking me a really long time to be like why are you here I know you're important, but I can't work out why you are here. And I and I think that I, I couldn't, if I wouldn't have written anything if I had spent all of that time trying to plan out why why she was relevant. Anyway, I've got it now. It's okay. Oh, that's good. Excellent. Good stuff. <laughs> and so with so the process for writing, let's talk about your, your books. So obviously uh, Nanny Wanted, was that a very different experience then because you were doing it your, your, your usual method of the loop-de-loop? Yeah, although I find that each book becomes horrible at different points in its own unique process. Reselling writing is a process here. Yeah, yeah. It sounds great. <laughs> Trauma. Really great so, so, so I got so I had the possession in like yeah. so it's set in Cornwall. So I had the possession when my husband and I were I think my son was there too because he was three, so he must have been there somewhere. So I don't remember him in this memory. <laughs> Driving around in one of those kind of Cornish roads, you know, kind of hedgerow line grows and had the, the possession and then kind of lived in this half-life where I was kind of half seeing it in my brain as we were kind of on this family holiday which was obviously really fun for everybody else <laughs> and then kind of just no, like noting things about the kind of the scenery and the landscape and the, the smells and the sights and everything just so I could remember it and taking lots of videos and then wrote because it was so strong kind of wrote the first 10,000 words really really quickly and then Charlotte and I were talking about this earlier today actually Towards the end was so awful that I had this like visceral reaction to my laptop because I knew the book was there. And I was just like, it like made me feel really sick every time I had to open my laptop because it was lurking there somewhere. 
<laughs> so that was a lot mm. harder to get to the end of it. But I did, I, I, I went from writing the really long synopsis to just rewriting it. And I knew, you know, I knew the shape of it in my brain, but I didn't, I definitely didn't know what the beats were and what was going to happen in each chapter. You're right, Sarah. <laughs> you I just I don't know how anyone does it, honestly. <laughs> it sounds like such hard work. I'm sure it's very satisfying. <laughs> it is. Well, that's what I mean about the writing. Like when it when it's magical and you get a chapter and you feel all kind of warm and fuzzy because not that it's it necessarily any better than yeah. the shit bit, mm. but that's the satisfying bit. It's the bit where you you've had a really nice time writing. Yeah. And Charlotte, have you stayed pretty faithful to your writing process throughout all of your novels? You've obviously got quite a few in the bag now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I've got a bit quicker. I think with The Rival, which was my debut, I did I did like two like two proper first drafts and then I don't know, I feel like it took me a lot longer. I don't think it did actually, but it felt like more laboured or difficult. I don't know. I feel like I'm not saying it's got easier because it hasn't, but I've kind of got less fear. I think that's what's what goes away. The more you write, you kind of sort of know that you can fix things because you've done it before. And I think with the rival, I was all a bit scared. And obviously I hadn't written for ages because I'd had these other books, but that was years before. And actually I got some structural edits back from my publisher last week for my book that's coming out in 2025. And they're quite substantial, which is normal, really. And I know that I would have freaked out a few years ago and been like, oh my God, I can't do this. But now I'm like, all right, I'll do that now. <laughs> you know, like just, it, I think I just feel like, oh, well, it'll all work out somehow. It always does. Part it's of the process. Somehow they all happened. So yeah, it's not, you know, I don't know. I think it's, it, there's no logic to writing and there's no sort of set formula and then there are no answers. And it's like my agent always yeah. says, no one knows anything in publishing. <laughs> it's all yeah. done on sort of passion and like random instinct. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I didn't really answer your question properly. Sorry, but no, I think it has changed a little bit. I think, like I said, the main thing is I'm not quite as frightened now. Mm. And I feel a bit more confident, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But I always feel like you're a proper like career author. Like you always know what you're doing. You always know the answers to everything. I never know anything about anything. And I'm always messaging Charlotte being like, what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like you're a professional, whereas I'm just like, doop, doop, doop. No, I think, do you know what? The only thing I do think is that because I was a journalist, I'm a lot less, not saying you're precious, Lizzie, but I think I'm a lot less precious about things I've written. Like I'm kind of, I'm like, whatever, you know, not that sounds awful. It's not like I don't care, but yeah. You're used to it. Yeah. And so I don't. No, but actually, I'm not saying you're not like this, Lizzie. Sorry, that sounds like I'm making a comparison, but I was just thinking... (laughs) No, absolutely not. Because and I love Lizzie books, but um, <laughs> I feel like I'm just more relaxed about actually being edited and stuff. Like it, I kind of just feel like you know that it's fine. It's fine. I can work on this and make it better if you want me to. Obviously, sometimes I don't agree, but yeah, yeah, it's a job, isn't it? That's the thing. Like yeah. I feel like That's I've true. maybe slightly switched off the passionate side, but horrible. But obviously, I am passionate about it as well. But I am more kind of business-like about it. I guess is what I was trying to say. You're right, Lizzie. what do you do if you really really don't agree with a piece of feedback in the editing process i like to fight my battles i actually think i actually quite like being edited i quite like i think the the problem is that i think i I don't think it's about me being precious about my book or i think it's more that i 
I like, I like, I don't want to get it. I, like, I need it to be at a good stage before I show it to any anyone. But actually, when I'm at a stage, I like, I love just getting somebody else's eyes on it because it's so difficult. Like people mm. who, not even people who aren't in the issue, people who haven't read the book, it's really hard to describe to distill a book to somebody who has, like my poor husband. Where I'm like, so, okay, let me back up. So there's Laurie, and then there's there's Chapman. No, let me back up. So there's Paula <laughs> and you know Lily. But of course, no, but I forgot to tell you that like the You're looped really looping in your description. Looping. So I've never got What do you do when you really hate a bit of feedback or really disagree? <laughs> so I, you know, that was a real learning process with my name is Anna where, you know, I'd never, I'd never written a book before, so I'd never had a book edited before. And I think that there were certain things that uh, I could see that what they were saying, how it would make it better. And I always remember that there was this one scene in it, which was like Rosie, who's the, the two, two main characters in My Name is Anna. There's Anna, as you would imagine, and Rosie, <laughs> who's the kind of sister figure. And she goes to this kind of teen party and she has a kind of um, an uncomfortable encounter with a boy and for me it's kind of it it was so vital for me that that scene stayed in because it showed a lot about Rosie and her mentality and and what she was going through and was very interior but my editor hated it she wanted it to go and I took that as you know anything else you want you know you wanted to rewrite this bit put this bit in that's fine but I was like this bit is so vital to me and it's my job to prove you why because you're the you're the reader in my mind so if if you're not responding to it and you're this close to it then there's a reason and it stayed in I don't know Charlotte if you would agree not with that scene you're not that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what do you think of that scene yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I don't I'm quite I'm quite happy to be edited if I'm honest. I don't think I've ever had any feedback where I've been really like, no, I totally disagree. Although having said that, I haven't completely read my structural edition last week. My time might be coming. <laughs> yeah. Um no, I'm I think there's mine like I if there's something that they really don't see that I see, then I think okay, there's something right. My editor has a good expression. I think it's something like it's not on the page. So it would be my intention is not mm. being translated by what she's like, it's in your head, but it's not on the page. So like, I thought that it's really obvious why a character's doing something. when she's like, no, you've completely not put it on the page kind of thing. So usually it's a case of me just clarifying it a bit or adding some context or extra um, internal monologue or something, you know. So um, yeah, no, I've never actually had any feedback, feedback where I've been like, absolutely not. And I'm kind of like busy. I'm, I kind of quite like having other people's input is interesting and yeah because it's so lonely writing a book that is definitely the worst thing if you ask me what's the right worst thing about being a writer i'd say it's that yeah it's just so lonely so it's nice to have other people that actually care yeah. about your book and you've built <laughs> and such a lovely think. group around you both have this lovely community of writer yeah. friends as well so that's where you fill in that you may not have colleagues as such mm. with you every day but you kind of do at the end of your whatsapp group yes. yeah yeah that, that's definitely been something it's just like somebody understand you know because when as you say when you are working in an ordinary job you have colleagues mm. to kind of relate mm. to and be like oh the boss of being a dick today <laughs> I should say that very much I work with my brother <laughs> never but it is just like it's that space obviously we have most spend a lot of it having a moan about various things but it's that safe yeah. space of being like you, you get it mm. you know mm. and, it, and, and mm. you know celebrating the good stuff as well is really nice because again nobody really understands the like the, the minutiae of the of the good bits mm. when you're not in this world like 
it, you know, Harrogate, I think, within this kind of bubble makes so much sense. But when I'm like, you know, to my to my school friends, like so guys, it's like it's like Bastonbury for writers. <laughs> They're like, sure, sure, yes. have fun with your crime writer friends. And then they trust <laughs> <I know>. me. <laughs> trust me. And you know, they don't understand. Whereas when you know, building that excitement of being like, oh, it's Harrogate weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that level of understanding. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that I found so interesting coming into the crime writing world, obviously not as a writer, but through doing the podcast and stuff, is that everyone is, it's such a supportive environment. It's not really competitive at all. Obviously, there are exceptions to every rule. But, but, you know, for the majority of everyone we've spoken to as well, everyone is so supportive and open and friendly of each other, which considering you all write about killing people on like a daily basis is quite surprising (laughs) in a lot of ways. But it's such a such an open, friendly and welcoming community, I've found. Yeah. I wonder if it's like that. I mean, Charlotte, you've obviously got your Rickson books where it's a slightly different genre, but I don't know if it's like that in other genres. Yeah. Well. If you're literary fiction, you kind of look down at somebody being like, oh, <laughs> Esther used the wrong usage. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really um, integrated. I don't know if there's a book club community. There must be. <laughs> I don't feel like I've been invited in yet. So definitely all my friends are crime writers. Well, no, not all of them, but most of them. It's funny, though. That's the interesting thing about Harrogate is that you do get lots of people who write in other genres going as well. Mm. They want in on the action. They know. It's yeah. unique. <laughs> yeah, we, we had um, Kate Rhodes on a while ago, and she was saying that the poetry people apparently are bitchy. Apparently they are mean, Ooh, the poets. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it's that high art, Actually, uh, highfalutin kind of, you know, yeah. high art. Where, yeah. Oh, God, I can write poetry to save my life. Maybe a high I really, I really want to do a poetry course because I did the Faber Academy course and they do, I think they do a poetry course or they definitely used to. And I, it's on my like bucket list. I just don't have time, but I'm going to do a poetry course because I do think it would be really interesting. One Although day. Yeah. yeah one I feel day. like poetry is <laughs> yeah. having a bit of a resurgence at the moment. Every time I go into Waterstones or Foils or wherever, the poetry section seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Well, it's a thing, isn't it a thing on Instagram? There's a lot of Instagram mm. poets that have sort of taken off and got yeah. book deals and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Ryan Bilston, was he an Instagram thing? He started as Instagram? Oh, I don't, oh, know. I don't know. Do you remember him? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. He's still around. But <laughs> yeah. It was like lockdown, like anti-establishment yeah. poetry, I remember. Yeah. yeah. That would seem to be on Instagram. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it, it, it makes sense given that our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. We can now only read poems. Yeah, a few, sta- yeah. A few lines, <laughs> ideal. Yeah. yeah, can just about handle that. Going back to your books, though, just for a second. So two very different books you have, obviously, but the theme of family hell, I would say, <laughs> runs really nicely between the two in their own unique ways. And what is yeah. it about the family that intrigues you both so much when writing in a thriller setting? I think it's it's the kind of interplay, isn't it? And it's it's how I mean, so obviously with my with Penny Wanted, it's um I suppose it's the same actually with Faye as well to a certain extent, in that it's kind of the outsider moving into the home. Yeah. Mm. Even though I suppose the only the only relative as such is Rachel. In, in that setting but there's something about kind of everybody everybody knowing their place and and having these kind of intangible relationships to the outsider and then setting an outsider into that mix and seeing how that mm-hmm. evolves and changes mm-hmm. that I'm interested in yeah I think for me it was more that because I wrote the rival was kind of a little bit personal which is about a woman who loses her job when she's pregnant <laughs> and the consequences of that but I think I kind of 
decided I was I just picked a niche and I was like I wrote my second book quite quickly and that's about mummy vloggers like mummy influencers and so then I was like okay clearly my my theme is parenting <laughs> and then I just thought okay I'll just write books all around parenting and kind of contemporary parenting so I, I was a little bit deliberate with that I guess well I wasn't to be with but then I, the more I thought about it I was like okay that makes sense and I realized that I had a lot of um, mothers reading my books sort of people my age really with young children and I got a lot of emails from them and I thought, well, they obviously like reading books that kind of touch on issues that they might have encountered, like the sanctuaries, obviously set at a prenatal spa and like just all the wellness around pregnancy mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah, I think it kind of made sense to me. But obviously, fa- like family dynamics are fascinating. I mean, I mean, I think all books really are about family and relationships, aren't they? It doesn't even matter what genre. Mm-hmm. Like, well, this is what I mean heart. about you, um, you being professional is that you're like this is my niche whereas I'm like I want to write a book about an objective child no you do have a niche (laughs) no your niche is definitely is atmosphere is setting is the gothic thing yes I mean Alpha Debt is so amazingly atmospheric just the whole Italy vibe and like the heat and everything is like amazing and I, I think that's that's a niche like it's it's kind of yeah, like, whether it's deliberate you know, or not. Niche. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's no, but they all have a very. I think they're all related. They have a similar kind of vibe, which is your obviously yeah. because they're all written by you. So. That's it. I'm the, I'm the vibe. I'm my own vibe. You're the vibe. <laughs> vibe. Good vibe, Lizzie. Good vibe. Yeah, I think essentially it is. You're right in that it boils down. I think because both of us like. I think both of our books are quite character driven. Yes. And mm-hmm. they are, they're definitely more on the kind of, well, hugely more on the psychological suspense side of the, the yes. similar rainbow rather than the crime side. I think that that's why relationships and dynamics are so important. I mean, your characters for me, are, like, even even if I hadn't, you know, I read I read The Wrong Mother at the beginning of the year. And even if I hadn't kind of thought about it since then, as soon as you started saying, as soon as I, Sarah started reading the synopsis of it, I can see all of the characters so clearly. and, and I, I see them all in my mind because they're so vivid. And I think that is because you you like to draw really clear. I mean, Rachel was such a perfect character. So uh, creepy. And yeah. Also, I just thought of another similarity is that but all of our books kind of revolve around women. Yeah. Interesting. Going through hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And I think obviously being women, that is being yes. in, in, interesting, complex women ourselves. I think that is definitely yes. a, a big draw for me. I can't really imagine writing a book in a male voice that just really struggle with it we don't need that there's enough male voices out there already there will definitely be enough male voices (laughs) I find it so interesting when male writers write in a female voice a lot Mm. I do always find that choice interesting uh, when that happens that was really really successful Mm. as well Mm. you know like um, I did a um, a talk recently with Chris Ewan CM Ewan and I read The How Come which is his book that's just come out and he wrote really successfully in mm. a female voice um, and S.J. Watson yeah with Before I Go, before to, I go sleep, to Sleep yeah I did not know and I don't know whether that was intentional with the initials that kind of are not thinking through it mm. all this book's written by a man but I couldn't have told you if that was a man or a woman yeah obviously it. some mm. are, some are really you know more successful some are some are very successful some not so successful and it is, yeah. I'm always fascinated by the choice though to, to do that and what yeah what kind of research mm. goes into writing in a completely different tone gender to what you are it must be yeah. really interesting but speaking of writing and characters and things yeah, like yeah. that a question we always like to ask uh is if you had to be a, and this is an interesting question because i know what happens in your books jesus 
If you had to be a character <laughs> in one of your books, who would you be and why? Charlotte? Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I actually, I was reading these questions over dinner with my daughter and she was like, Helena and the rival. And I was like, you're only eight and you haven't, she hasn't read my book, which, which obviously <laughs> she's a vast really reader. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but she reads the back copy and it's so sweet. And she's like, the rival's the best. I'm like, okay, thanks, oh. Anyway, I wouldn't be Helena and the rival, actually. Daphne, <laughs> she's asleep, it's fine. Daphne. I probably, I was thinking about this, like, none of my characters I particularly want to be, mm. but if I had to pick one, it would be Rachel because. I just loved writing her and she's so misunderstood and like yeah. although I was thinking she has got quite a horrendous backstory so I don't want that bit but I quite like the fact that she you know knits for like premature babies and doesn't give yeah. a shit and is just like lives with her cat and is like really happy and I'm like that's what I want to be when I grow up so Rachel <laughs> aspirational and knit premature babies and live with your cat <laughs> yeah she just has a simple life She's on the bonfire committee. Her whole life revolves around <laughs> bonfire night in her village. I mean, it just sounds like a dream. Sounds pretty so, nice. Yeah. Nice existence. Yeah. How about you, Lizzie? Yeah. If we ignore the rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right, because I do, I similarly write with, it's an interesting question, because I similarly write quite complex characters, and so it's quite difficult to be like, which one would you like? And and uh, quite a few of my characters are quite unlikable. I mean, Lily, I did, Lily, I, I felt a lot of allegiance to, I think, because she... She kind of tracks at the same age as me, even though her story happens. So her story happens when she's 26, which is the age that I would have been 10 years ago when it was written at the start of the book. And I had a real affinity with her going, kind of living her life in a sort of pre-Me Too era and what that dynamic does to the choices that she makes. And I think that it's very interesting. I read some reviews where they say that they they really didn't respond to Lily. And a lot of people who feel they really did and and for me I feel like there's definitely even though you can't tell it obviously from reviews you can see the kind of age disparity on that where that there's no mm. allowance made for the, mm. the culture in which she's living I wouldn't necessarily want to be Lily though but I think that Diana out of her depth again she was a really fun character like I mean she's a complete fucking bitch and a psychopath <laughs> but she That's was fun. so fun to write and she exactly but she, and she also she always came out on top mm. nice so I just think for pure like you know if I wanted to be the one who wins, it would be Diana. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice to win. So, you know. Bitch that she is. Yeah. <laughs> and to be a bitch, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was so kind of enigmatic and charismatic. Mm. Yeah. Like, that would be quite cool to be that. Yeah, she was exactly. cool, basically. She yeah, was, I've never been cool. Out. That would be yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Frankie, is Not it yet. time? No. Oh, there's the oh. book question first. What book they read last? Okay. She's itching to get oh. to this the part she My likes favorite best. Part. Not yeah. yet. Okay. okay. All right. I'm Before we get to that, <laughs> actually, and um, this is my favorite question, so I shouldn't have skipped it. What is the last book that you both read and loved? Is it going to be the same, Lizzie? Ooh. I think it is. And it's going to sound really lovely and lovey dovey. Go on. It's true. It's true. We both, well, we both just read our friend Emily Freud's uh, oh, upcoming novel, which is called Her Last Summer. And it's out next yes. year. Early next year. Is it March? Yeah. It's, it's definitely spring, isn't it? Um, so good. Absolutely loved it. And I have been in a terrible reading slump. I haven't really yeah. read anything or finished anything. I've been listening to a lot of audios, but um, actual books I haven't read. This was the first one I read in like three days for a long time. Oh, it's so good. Nice. Yeah, we were, we were joking about yeah. it today because um, I gave a quote, a feedback to her editor. And I was like, I gave some feedback, like, this could be better. But then, like, you know, authors love <laughs> each other's books and they, yeah. they, you send a kind of, 
something that can be used as a pull quote to their editors to use on books and for promo. And I wrote like a fucking essay and I was like, oh God, your cat's going to think I'm an absolute weirdo. But I was just like, I wanted to get it all in. <laughs> and I ended up writing this massive long essay. Oh. Um, and then I said, I said to Emily, she's going to just like pull one word out, isn't she? And they're like, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loved it. It was, it was, I mean, it's so, it's so atmospheric. And how I, I said to her, like, so it's set in, a lot of it is set in Chiang Mai, which she hasn't been to since she was like 19. And I know I like to write settings and atmosphere, but you could like smell the jungle in this book. It was so vivid. Wow. I love that about books when you really feel that you stepped inside that yeah. world. And I mean, we were talking about this today. It's like, it's such a relief when you like your friend's book. You've got a bet. Yeah. I, really, I felt so proud of her reading it and like, I think that that is to go back to our lovely WhatsApp group. It's so nice when you like, feel just no, there's no like, professional jealousy or envy. It's just like mm-hmm. this sense of like, yay for us because it's yeah. part, you're part of us. And it, I was so proud mm-hmm. of it when I reading it. Also, it has the most amazing twist. And uh, because oh, I have yeah. done quite a few twists in my time now, I'm quite good at spotting them and it literally floored me. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that. I know oh. people always say that, but it really was like, oh my God, I didn't guess it. I'm really annoyed with myself. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Like, it's a twist as well, isn't it? It was like just so, oh, it's like that is so clever. And yeah, yeah, the setting with Beetle. Also, I feel like it's such a good, I don't know if she's going to write a series, but the main character could totally oh. come back. Ooh. Um, and I would w- watch, I would read. Sorry, she's a documentary maker, so that's what I'm thinking about mm. watching. But um, I would definitely read another book with that main character in because, wow. yeah. I found the world really interesting as well of being the kind of factual documentary because Emmy worked in factual TV and Mm. you can just tell Mm. that she knows her stuff without it feeling really laboured. And it was just really, you know, really interesting seeing a documentary being How they put them together. Yeah, Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, so it's like a fantastic rant over. No, it's great. Love it. She's going to come yeah. on where, closer to the, her pub date because I mean, I'm itching to cool. read this book. Mm. It sounds, I'm even more so now after hearing you guys rave yeah. about it. Wow. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. Really good. Good. Well done, Emily. That's amazing. <laughs> now it is time, Sarah. Now it is time for me to deliver some terrible news to you both. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, you should be nervous, Lizzie, because we all know what you've done. Okay. We all know you've committed a really terrible, heinous crime. And you've been caught for it. Both of you, both of you have committed a crime. Is it the same crime? That's the question. What have you done? Because spoiler alert, you've both been sentenced to death for it. (laughs) Yikes. We're living in Trump's America. Yes. So what crime have you both committed to get to this point? Oh, God. Are you asking us? Yes. Or are you going to yeah. tell us? No. Oh. It's very revealing. We ask this question every time and authors, it's very interesting to hear the responses we get. Some people are like, oh, bad parking or, oh, you know, tax <laughs> evasion. And then others are like murder. Yeah, mass murder. I killed loads mass of people. Mass murder. Yeah, we had a few of those. Wow. Mm. Someone's actually, wow. A few. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got Some a are really specific as well. They'll be like, I killed this, this person. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a few. I know what mine would be. It's Go good. on, Charlotte. Thought that Confess. was a bit quick, wasn't it? Um, it would just be stalking. Oh, wow. Okay. We are a really good stalker. Okay. We're quite good dual detectives, actually. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we would be like sycophantic stalkers. You went too yeah. far. I basically, if I could have my life over again, I would be a murder detective because I'm really good at figuring things out. Like if a friend bought a house, I can immediately somehow find out the address and work out how much money they pay for it because I'm just like an inbuilt stalker. I just want to know everything about everybody. And it's 
oh, maybe I should be admitting this. I feel like I'm not even drunk. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I, can, I can basically, yeah, I'm just very fascinated by people, like deeply fascinated by people, things they do, things they say. And none of it really comes from any kind of sense of envy or I don't really have that gene, which I'm very happy about. But I'm just nosy. I'm like super nosy. <laughs> and if there's somebody I'm interested in, I want to find out everything about them. So I do tend to stalk people. So that would probably be okay. stalk them like in the flesh. Look, you've been caught at this point, Charlotte. There's no point trying to backtrack. Uh, <laughs> going down. Online stalking. Okay. Google Google stalking. That's yeah. Online stalking. I feel like I would be I would be like aiding aiding and abetting. Okay. Yeah, I get probably. in stalking. That's true. I do overshare all my findings. Right. I'm very innocent, really. I can commit <laughs> no crime. You're my yeah, just Follow in Charlotte's wake. Unfortunately, that that protestation is not washing with the courts, and you're both <laughs> sentenced to you death. You make me do it. Yep, you're going down, both of you. Uh, I'm very <laughs> sorry to have to tell you that because you know it's impressive levels of stalking. Don't get me wrong. You know, if you if it was a prize for the most well, impressive, then it, you would win. It comes when it's you know you need to do a lot of research to write novels and i i write if you novels, need something researched yeah, yeah, yeah. come to me yeah. I that is true <laughs> i spent a really long time working out the journey from a certain point in north san francisco down to tijuana today on google maps yeah i like i like going the most obscure stuff journey. you can find out yeah. yeah yeah i wonder how many stalkers in prison right now like i'm researching a book i wasn't stalking <laughs> i was just reading oh, well, that's the thing isn't it that thing about novelists yeah yeah <laughs> terrifying i had to look up poison for the sanctuary and yeah, that yeah. some strange yeah. places. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> right. So stalking perhaps went a little bit too far this time and it's got you arrested and tried tried and sentenced to death. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Uh, oh. But the good news is, good news, question mark, is that we're going to make you the death row meal of your dreams. And when I say Yay. that, Sarah and I aren't necessarily going to cook it for you, but we can no. get you yeah. whatever you want. We can go anywhere through any point in time, any restaurant, any person who's made it for you. We can bring them in live or dead and they can cook you whatever meal you want. So what would your death row meals be? I feel like Lizzie's is going to be amazing because Lizzie knows everything about food. It's so not. You go first. It's not. So, she works for restaurants, again, so... I, was, I, asked, yeah. I asked my husband this question earlier, like, what my definite meal, and I was thinking, like, you know, like, dumplings in Hong Kong mm. or, like, cow soy in Chiang Mai. Like, what's he going to say? And he said, girl dinner. Are you guys aware of the concept? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. <laughs> That's fucking true. That's the thing. I'm just a hat. <laughs> but, like, so, is like a little boiled egg and some compote and maybe some fancy crisps and some pickled chilies. Um, maybe some avocado if there's some going. I mean, it's your death row there. meal, so we can yeah, get you an avocado. Yeah, we'll treat good, you. Good. Yeah, it's the good compote, not the supermarket compote. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's sad, but it's true. Girl dinner would be I'm girl, sorry. the final girl point. dinner. Wow, no. Served in a tasting menu format. So the egg first, then yeah. <laughs> then a <laughs> little bowl of chips, crisps. Yeah. Right. Okay, I wasn't expecting wow. that. What about you, Charlotte? Anything, uh, anything to go with the girl? You know, I was, I was again discussing this with my daughter, and she said chili, and I was like, no, darling, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be chili. <laughs> like of all the things, dream big on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was thinking, it, this is annoying. It would depend on the day because I do have different preferences. Depends on time of the month. There's all kinds of things going on with my sure. food cravings, but probably the safest thing would be a steak. 
steak mm. and chips. Yum. Potentially steak tartare if we're going for the murderous eating raw meat theme. Yum. That kind no, of we're thing. not I sharing like... a cell. No. <laughs> Lizzie hates or doesn't eat red meat. Really but red I meat. love steak okay. tartare. It's like my super favourite. Mm. So yeah, maybe that. But I'd be more into the pudding, to be honest. I, think, what, I was oh, going to say, yeah, desserts, yeah. come on. If it's the winter, I would have a sticky toffee pudding. Nice. <laughs> if it's the summer, it would be some kind of very, very strong chocolate, like gelato. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's pistachio ice cream, it doesn't matter what the weather is. Oh, yes, that you had today was amazing. Yeah, yeah, and oh, yeah. ice cream, so. Okay, okay. solid choices. <laughs> we have to ask Charlotte... Sticky toffee pudding with or without dates? Oh, I I don't mind, but I don't want them big. They've got to be cut up small. I don't like big <laughs> lumps of things. So if they're sort of diced and sprinkled throughout the sponge, then yes, that's okay. But I don't want ice cream or custard. Or oh, any just just that. I just want toffees. Yeah, yeah with loads of sauce. Pudding. But it's very yeah, hot. With loads of sauce. Yes, that's true. You've got I to cool it. Burn my mouth. With it. <laughs> I need a bit of cool ice cream <laughs> with that. Okay, we we talk about sticky toffee pudding a lot in our friendship group, don't we, Sarah? Because our friend has very yeah. specific opinions about it, so it's a it's a part of our oh. daily lives. It's interesting that you um yeah, Dan, she's anti dates by the way, anti dates yeah, really offended yeah. my dates. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> she's an idiot. But it's fine. Um, okay, so wow, good good meals, good choices. Okay, yeah, they're both very good answers, and I would probably go with steak as well personally uh, as a vegetarian. You're the you worst can't beat it. Um, I am the worst vegetarian ever, but girl dinner is a fantastic answer. We've not had that before. No, first girl dinner. Yeah, shame for the person who works in restaurants. <laughs> no judgment here. So a bit of good and a bit of bad news. You are now both dead. Sorry. Although with full stomachs, so school. <laughs> yes, um, girl dinner. Light. Yeah, well, yeah, your egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one final piece of good news. We will bury you with the book of your choice. What book are you taking with you? Oh, I, do you know what? I really struggled with this. I was like, well, I'm not going to take my favourite book. I, I was thinking, what is the logic? Is it because if someone digs you up, in like a hundred years it's it's kind of going to reveal something about you because you're not going to read it because you're dead so i i came up with winnie the pooh oh <laughs> that's sweet yeah, i definitely went through a way creepier like brain spot with this one than she did <laughs> so i was like definitely wuthering heights and i was like but that's really appropriate oh. because there is a suggestion that he actually digs kathy up and has sex with her dead body oh. and then my oh. brain was just like why did you go there now you made it <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> interesting Again, these questions are very revealing because we have everyone brings their own interpretation of it. We've had some people that are like, well, if I'm in the afterlife, I want to be reading this for the rest of my life. Or if mm. I'm going to be dug up, I want to be impressive and I want people to think that I've read War and Peace many times or whatever. Like, <laughs> So it's interesting to see how you've approached it. Clearly, Lizzie should be in prison. So that was the right move, I think. <laughs> with that the digging the but yeah love as well, which is part you know in terms of the book that means a lot to you quite a good book yeah, yeah. <laughs> i Hikes. just feel like winnie the pooh is a classic it needs to be remembered in future gen i mean sure it will be mm. i don't think it has a problem with this but still um <laughs> and just everybody in my family is obsessed with it my daughter's obsessed with Aww, it my mom's obsessed with it classic i loved it as a kid so yeah yeah great great choices in a time capsule yeah, or like a, if there was one book that sort of oh, that sums me up is Winnie the Pooh. I don't know, just like, <laughs> like, like my tops. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially if you're, if you're being dug off by Heathcliff, that will save a lot of time. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, Heathcliff. 
<laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I don't think Ian Milne did either, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! God, we'll get sued by his estate. Fun, uh, yeah. <laughs> I would just like to say that the uh, the views expressed don't represent that of Red and Bay podcast. Okay, so <laughs> wow, guys, thank you so much for chatting with us. It's been such a pleasure, yes. as always, to oh, see you both lovely. and chat. So, both of your books are out now, all over the place, right? Everywhere. They yes. are. Buy two copies. Buy two. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smart. Mm-hmm. Stocking fillers. Yes. yes. Fillers. <laughs> that's a good one we can put that on our yeah is that a com- i guess yeah. it's a compliment in its own way yeah <laughs> so and very appropriately the wrong mother is set at halloween and bonfire night so that's true there you go Seasonal. it's quite good for this time of year nice yeah. love that where can people follow you online not in a stalky way like you but where can they just yes. follow you to keep up with what you're oh up to God, i'm never gonna live that down <laughs> Did you just get away with saying she was my accomplice? Yeah. That yeah. was all you admitted to. Oh, yeah. my God, that was, you that's see, you should I have been <laughs> The jury weren't convinced, though, Charlotte. Don't worry. We all knew. We all knew there was something dark going on. Stitched <laughs> up. Well, I'm everywhere and my handle is Shardark because my lane is ridiculously long. So. <laughs> I'm also everywhere. I'm chronically online in by Lizzie Barber with a Y, crucially. Yes. Not the naive. Yes. Never an IE. Never an IE. Very good. Never. God forbid. Nope. And Frankie, where can people find us on social media? Well, they can follow follow us at the Red and Berry podcast on... Actually, do you know what, Sarah? We're on Blue Sky now, even. We're on Threads. We're on Blue Sky. Yeah, so modern. Blue Sky? Blue Sky's the new Twitter. It's not not great, to be honest. I thought you were saying you were today. No, is it not? No, it wasn't me. It's still very new. uh, And it's very... Yeah, it's a bit early days, really. I think it will get better. It's just in case X dies, you know, trying to have backups for everything. But uh, yeah, we are on there. But also Threads... And Instagram, and we are on X, Twitter, whatever the hell it's bloody called, uh, all, all over the shop. Or you can email us at redandberrypodcast at gmail.com. So, yes. Excellent. And I've learned something new. Blue Sky. Blue Sky. <laughs> Live to educate Lizzie and Charlotte. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. Be brilliant. Will you guys yeah, come back in the so future fun. for your next books? Oh, yeah. yeah. Try and stop us. Thank you. <laughs> you don't have to admit to any more crimes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll dig you up, not for what you're thinking. Uh, just to get you back on the podcast. <laughs> Not a Heathcliff way, in a very safe way. Great. Thanks for listening, everyone, on that note. Oh, took a turn. Yeah, it always does. <laughs> we'll be back soon with another episode. Until then. Thank you. Bye. 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 If I asked you to think about Japanese movies, what do you picture? Anime, no doubt. You think of the beautifully rendered works of Studio Ghibli. Maybe you picture Godzilla and his coterie of city-ravaging kaiju. Perhaps you see Toshido Mifune wandering the countryside and armed with only his wit and his blade. And I know you're trying not to think about the pale-faced ghosts with long hair and creepy noises. And maybe you're a fan of the exploitation type of cinema, where schoolgirls wield chainsaws and machine guns with abandon. My name's Perry Constantine. I'm an author and a teacher, and back when I was in college, I had the exact same image of Japanese films as you did. It was my love and interest in these movies that led me to move to Japan. Now, almost 20 years later, I'm still here and teaching classes about Japanese film. What I've learned in that time is that Japanese movies are so much more diverse than just anime or kaiju or samurai. Sure, those movies are fun, but by exploring the wide range of Japanese cinema, there's so much we can learn about Japanese history, society, and culture. 
That's why I started Japan on Film. In each episode, I'm joined by a different guest to help me spotlight just some of these excellent movies. We'll be watching the good, the bad, the popular, and the bizarre. Come along with us on a journey into the wide, wonderful, and sometimes very weird world of Japanese cinema. Listen to the Japan on Film podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit our website, japanonfilm.com.